0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: Hey, it's the Sparky Pfeiffer. Time for another Milwaukee sports timeout here on 12:50 a.m. The Fan as we broadcast. From the Wendy's studios, and don't forget the Strawberry Frosties. Oh, my goodness, they are so, so good. And they're only here uh, for the summertime, so you're not going to want to miss out on getting that Strawberry Frosties at Wendy's. And when you're there getting that Strawberry Frosty, I always recommend uh, that you get yourself a French fry, too, because the French fries taste just as good going into that Strawberry Frosty. Uh, as they do going into a chocolate or vanilla frosting. So get your strawberry frosty today at participating Wendy's. Uh, let's talk with our good friend... Brewers analyst for Valley Sports Wisconsin. He is former Brewers pitcher Tim Dillard. Follow him on Twitter at Dim Tillard. Uh, also, of course, uh, does the Brewers Unfiltered podcast uh, along with Adam McKelvey and Sophia Minner. They do that once a week uh, and we normally record on Tuesdays. So download that on your Odyssey app or over at Brewers.com. And he, of course, is presented to you by Fourth Base Restaurant, the iconic bar restaurant featured in the movie Major League. High-end food and so delicious. Go check out Fourth Base Restaurant. Today, Tim, first things first, uh, Darren Ruff, uh, the newest Brewer, signed. I have to be honest, I didn't see them signing another first baseman with Luke Voigt and Roddy Tellez already under contract, but they did. Your thoughts?
2: Uh, yeah, well, I think they're trying to solve the, the mystery of, you know, getting scoring runs off of left-handed starters and I, you know, they thought Luke Voit was going to be that guy and maybe he was going to heat up, but he goes on the IL with the next drain and they need someone to fill in. And from what I can hear in AAA, it sounds like Keston was maybe he's injured in some yep. capacity and they're looking for someone to, to come in and do stuff. And, you know, Darren Ruff, he has, I think he's career 270 hitter against left-handers. So he definitely has a track record and an approach but honestly, I think this is – it could be a good move. Is he going to do a whole lot at the plate? Who knows? But, you know, they're facing a lefty tonight. Uh, and I, what I think, just as an older guy, I think Russ like 36. I, I think he could be at that stage where, you know what, if he knows how a good approach against lefties, why not share that with these young brewers, you know, and put something together like that. So maybe they're looking for, you know, just somebody to come in and kind of just lead and direct when it comes to left-handed starters.
1: Do you like Council's approach to these dramatically different lineups and where guys bat in the lineup versus a lefty versus where they bat against a righty?
2: I don't know. Uh, there's a lot that goes into a lineup rather than let's just mix it up for mix it up sake. You know, guys, you know, could be hurt. Guys could be, you know, you know, I need a day for a hamstring or whatever it is, a wrist. You know, there's stuff behind the scenes that we don't know jack about. So um, I don't know. I, I really like Yelich at the top of you know the order. I think he gets on base right now. I think he's it's like on base percentage is up to like 400 in the month of May. <laughs> you know, and I know there's a lefty throwing tonight. Is he going to bat leadoff? Probably not. But um I don't know. I, I think there's they're just looking for that correct formula on what to do uh, because for whatever reason it is a different beast when they face right-handers as opposed to when they face left-handers. And I think they're just trying to figure that out.
1: No doubt, and since you brought up Christian Yelich, let's talk about Christian Yelich because he's been playing really well, especially uh, in the last week or so. I uh, had a big uh, weekend uh, against the Kansas City Royals. Now hitting two fifty eight, seven homers, twenty three RBIs, seven sixty five uh, OPS to this point. Uh, I, I try to calm people down because I believe last year he had a stretch where he was really good for a couple of weeks. I bought in, um, and then he kind of regressed to where he was before that. Uh, as far as Yelich goes, do you see anything dramatically different, or you you just see him seeing the ball really well right now in this stretch?
2: Well, I, uh, yesterday on the pregame show, Vinny Rotino broke down a little bit of what Yelich is doing just mechanically, and he kind of got away from maybe the higher leg kick, sure. to kind of a toe tap. Um, but really all that's designed to do is to make sure your foot's down when the pitch is there. You know, there's times where his late getting his foot down on – on faster pitches and, you know, he ends up fouling them off. And now he's getting his foot down and man, he looks in a great position to make contact. But I look at some of the numbers, uh, 33 strikeouts. I can't remember the walks, maybe like 11 walks uh, in April, which, you know, that's a lot. That's, that's 44, you know, plate appearances where, you know, he's not really swinging the bat and putting the ball in play. And then you fast forward to May in just 13 games, seven strikeouts to four walks. That's, you know, 11 appearances. So he's just, he's swinging the bat. Is what he's doing. He's just making more contact in play, um, and he's having success doing that. His launch angle's changed a little bit. He started to put the ball way gone out of the ballpark. But just the other day on the weekend, facing the Royals, his first home run he hit in that series straight away center field, hit it off the jumbo drive. Yep. And then he goes left field, opposite field. Uh, and then his leadoff home run the last game, he pulled it. So when you're at, when you're a pitching staff and a pitching coach and you're trying to put together a plan to face this lineup and you're facing Christian Yelich right now, you're going, okay, <laughs> we got to figure out something to do. That's why you saw uh, uh, Flaherty last night walk him in the first at bat because he probably didn't feel comfortable throwing him anything hittable.
1: That's interesting though because if, and again, this is a big if, but if you know Christian Yelich gets back to to being that guy that that uh, pitchers don't want to pitch to anymore is he better served being in the leadoff spot versus more down in that three hole?
2: Yeah. I mean, if this continues, I mean, he may hit his way out of the leadoff spot, who knows, but right now he's up, you know, tops in baseball when it comes to runs scored. So, I mean, that's a pretty valuable thing to get on base and, you know, people talk about, well, maybe he's not hitting a lot of doubles. Well, he's hitting a lot of singles and he's stealing second. He's got nine steals so far this year and, Honestly, right now, I think he's on pace for a 30-30 season, 30 home runs, 30 stolen bases. I mean, everybody in baseball would want that, except for maybe Ronald Acuna Jr. Yeah, that guy's unbelievable. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense, though. You know, if, if he continues doing this, then he will be, you know, probably dropped down in the order. But man, he's just such a weapon um, at the leadoff spot because he, it makes a, an uncomfortable uh, leadoff guy for you know for right-handed pitchers, but I like I said I don't think he'll be in the lineup today against the lefty. I think he'll he'll probably be out you know one of the first guys off the bench.
1: You know Tim uh, Eric Lauer uh, has had his struggles. Uh, Craig Council making the decision to move him from the rotation and put him in the bullpen uh, for the time being, and he came in right away. Then on Sunday after the Brewers had that seven-run inning, what have you seen from Eric Lauer this year? Maybe different from last year that that might be leading to some of the problems he's having.
2: I would say the only thing is just be more purposeful with his pitches. Um, And that's, you know, that's obviously harder to do than just say. But I I feel like when you're a starter, you kind of have this parachute where, okay, you have a rough first inning, you give up a couple of runs, you still settle in and you throw six innings and boom, you've got a quality start and everybody loves you. And I think he was relying on that a lot because he was being very picky on on pitching to the zone and when you do that you start walking guys and when you finally have to make a pitch and you throw it in the zone guys are just ready for it when you're in the bullpen you don't really have that luxury you got to come out and have your best stuff right away you know you give up a couple runs you may only face two batters right like right you, you and that that's everything every pitch just becomes more important uh when you come out of the bullpen and so i think maybe you know i don't know if this was intended or not but one of the consequences of, of moving a starter to the bullpen is it just it gives you a little bit more urgency on every single pitch. It means a lot more, um, and you have to kind of focus up a little bit more. But for him to go five and a third of the bullpen, my goodness, and he saved the bullpen. If they needed him last night, <laughs> the, the main guys in the bullpen, then they would have been ready to go. But I, I also talk about, you know, we do the Brewers Unfiltered podcast. Got another episode coming out either today or tomorrow. One of the points I brought up, too, about Eric Lauer was the fact that he got to finish a game, just just the whole science of being able to just finish a game, be the last guy that gets the out. You know, you get to talk to the catcher, you shake their hand, give a little hug. You, you know, the fielder comes in, whoever made the last out gives you the ball. Like, there's that's just a really cool feeling. It really is, and you know, maybe that'll carry over if he does get back in the starting rotation, if that's the plan. I know he, he was shot to him were in the bullpen uh during the game last night, but whatever it is, like I, I think he's going to be in a good place. I think in a very small window, he was able to unpack a lot Uh, just mentally. His stuff was always there, but I think mentally he's going to be on track.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. You bring up the mental side uh, of what it means to close a game and finish a game, but the mental side of getting ready to start a game versus coming out of the pen, that's also quite different. I would imagine.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You prepare different. I mean, it's, and you know what, too? You're, you're stressing about the start the entire day, right? Like you're trying to get your pattern together. Um, starting on the road, starting at home, it's completely different. And you kind of have that pyramid approach. You wake up, you're at the bottom of the pyramid, and everything you do leads to that point where you're like, okay, now I start the game. But with, with that comes a lot of pressure. You're putting pressure on yourself. You start thinking, okay, well, if I can, if I can do this, then maybe we can do this as a team. And you start playing scenarios instead of just keeping it simple. Uh, when you're in the bullpen, you just wait around, you just wait around, you talk, <laughs> you talk about the game, you goof off until that phone rings and then it's, hey, get ready. So right. you kind of just, you know, you, it's it's more or less about just almost reacting, you know, let, let your natural ability and everything that you train for just kind of take over. Um, and sometimes, you know, that's a good thing. Sometimes the starter just kind of needs that little shake uh, to get him back on track.
1: Tim, I want to talk about some non-brewer things. Uh just a couple Yay. of non-brewer things. No. <laughs> uh sorry. Okay. Uh, uh, the Aaron Judge uh home run. Uh, well, he had a couple of home runs. Uh, but the second one that he hit against the Blue Jays uh on Monday night, uh, they have video, and the announcers were talking about how he was kind of side-eyeing uh the dog outer was looking uh sideways while he was in the boxes last time up. And the second time he came up, and the, the, you hear the announcer go, and he's doing it again. And As soon as he says it, Judge hits a home run, just absolutely crushes the ball, tees off on it. Uh, And then the video that's going viral on Twitter, the zooms in on his eyes. And sure enough, you can see his eyes go sideways. Uh, And then um, Will Millbrooks, he he went on Twitter uh, and said, you know, based on how the catcher was uh, angling, maybe he was able to kind of see kind of what the sign was. And then he later recanted that and said, I don't even know if he was even giving signs. I was just kind of throwing it out there saying that might be a possibility how suspicious would you be if you're a pitcher and would you be able to pick up on that uh, when you're pitching to a guy, if he consistently is doing something like that?
2: Yeah. Well, first off, I think uh, Middlebrooks is, is correct. Uh, in this. I did see his post and I've been seeing a lot of people post about this on Twitter. Like, you know, what's he doing? Honestly, I think that judge was just looking at the first base coach and, you know, this is kind of on the umpires a little bit too. You know, they have the first base coach, you know, third base coach boxes and technically you're supposed to be in that right box. but i mean with nowadays how I many umpires are really checking to see if those dudes are in the box Nobody. basically if they're if you're not you know crossing the foul territory they really don't care so that's on the umpire if that is what's going on i couldn't see the full shot i wasn't at the game to see you know where he was but if a guy's throwing down signs without pitch con now and you know if it's easy to pick up all you have to do as a coach is you know, you put your hands on your hips if it's a fastball and hands down at your sides if it's a off-speed pitch. And, you know, if you're that specific, and the Yankees have a track record for picking sides, everybody knows this. This is probably why we have pitch comm is because the Yankees on second base, A-Rod, Jeter, and everybody at second base being able to pick up the pitcher signs. Like, that's a part of the game. Um, and, yes, I probably would have picked up on it. I am one of the most paranoid pitchers when I played and I would, I would lose it. And I remember there was a coach, we were playing Oklahoma City, it was the Dodgers, and the third base coach was right up against the line kind of talking to the umpire, kind of talking to the third baseman while I was pitching. And I didn't like it because he had different movements over there. He was talking. He looked like he was doing stuff and maybe was relaying something to my catcher. And I asked the umpire, I was like, can you get this dude in the third base box? Yep. <laughs> I just called time. I was like, hey, can this guy move over? And – You know, because I was paranoid and you have to see the game from every angle, which is surprising because Jackson's been around the game forever. Been with so many teams. Uh, Just kind of interesting that, you know, maybe they dropped the ball on that. But either way, uh, for whatever reason, it's, it's legal. You're allowed to do it. But I mean, you want to be more subtle. But I get how Aaron Judge, I mean, if you have a guaranteed shot of knowing what's coming, you know, some guys honestly don't want to know. But the higher up you go, Hey, everybody wants it. Let me know. Hey, this is going to be a slider. Great. I'm going to hit out of the park.
1: Why wouldn't a player want to know?
2: Uh, you know what? I, back in high school, I think my brother was in the stands and he saw what the pitcher was doing on the mound. So he was just in the stands watching the game right. as it was. Uh, we're a baseball family. It's not a big deal. And he would yell out the signs, not yell him out. But if he said your last name, it was a fastball. Right. If he said your number, it was, it was a breaking ball. So i mean i was up there everyone else was hitting well i got up there and you know he would yell whatever it was and i would get so giddy and i'm like oh here we go and then i would miss it oh. pop it straight up and i don't know like i just it didn't really work for me like i thought it would uh but some guys you know they they just can take advantage of it for days um i probably would now if i knew i was coming and guaranteed to help me out but there are some players that just honestly don't want to know because maybe they get too over anxious but I, have, I don't know if I know any big leaguers. I've heard of any that don't want to know what's coming. Everyone wants to know what's coming.
1: I, I want to get your thoughts on an NBA uh, podcast uh, that has gone viral as well. DeMar DeRozan uh, for the Bulls <laughs> okay. uh, was on Paul George's podcast uh, with the Clippers. Uh, and there's a moderator for these guys that are doing the podcast. Uh, and Demar Rosen uh, was asked about LeBron James' tweet a while back, talking about how you know his kid would come out here and be better than a lot of some of these guys that are out here right now in the NBA. Uh, and DeRozan didn't hold back and said, "Hey, man, like there's a bunch of sorry." Bah, bah, bah. Uh, out here uh, in the NBA right now. Guys that, that like what come with the NBA but don't like the game of basketball, don't care about the game of basketball, they just want to pretty much get the check and the benefits that come along with it. Paul George then went on top of that and said, what, I got about 450 or so players in the NBA. He said there's probably 75 to 100 guys that just suck uh, that probably don't belong in this league, that are in this league essentially collecting a check and don't really care about the game. And I've heard that for years uh, in the NBA uh, covering the Bucs uh, from different Bucs players uh, and so forth. So it wasn't nothing new to me. Baseball. I've never heard the same thing said about baseball. It does that. Is that a thing in baseball where you guys got, you got guys playing a game because they're good at it, not necessarily because they love it?
2: Um. I mean, if it is, it's pretty rare. I. I mean, I don't know if I've even come across a guy that, especially in the minor leagues, like you have to love it. I mean, if you don't, then you could easily go make more money doing almost anything else. (laughs) Right. So I would say, but in the big leagues, I mean, I think one of the famous ones that come to mind is like Jeff Kent. Like he just, you know, he kind of famously was like, yeah, it's baseball. I'm good at it. That's why I play, you know, like that was like some line, maybe it was even a lie, but that was kind of like his approach. Like, you know, he, he kept it at arm's length, which is probably what most players should do in a way, but. I don't know. I, I don't really feel like there's too many guys that are just going to go through the entire process because it's a year long process. You know, there is no off season. You don't have to play games, but you're training this entire time. And nowadays, with the way technology is, if you're not up to date, then you're just going to fall behind. It's a lot of work uh, to put in to just not love it. You know, there's probably guys that are super good and they have to maybe do less. So maybe they, it appears they don't like it more, but I don't know. I, I think you have to love a game like baseball just because it's so long. I mean, you play 140 games in minor leagues, 162 games in the big leagues. You train in the offseason. You maybe get one month off the entire year. If you add up everything, there's probably one month out of the year where guys aren't exercising or training or playing a game in some capacity. So I mean, if you don't love it, it's going to be a pretty miserable life. And You know, you can make a lot of money for a short amount of time, but I just the risk-reward, I don't know. I'm sure there's guys out there, but it's probably a super small percentage.
1: Yes, Tim Diller Brewers Unfiltered, him, Adam McKelvey, Sophia Minnard. They do it each and every week. Normally they record on Tuesdays. They usually uh, post later Tuesday afternoon on your Odyssey app or right there at Brewers.com. Are you guys uh, just talking about the last week or so? Any guests? What do you got this week?
2: Yeah, we got a guest. We got Bill Schroeder, Rock the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Sophia and Adam sat down with him. I was actually on assignment back home well, <laughs> with my family. Yeah, uh, but it but it was it was uh, it's good, it's good. I mean, Rock, you hear his voice on uh, on TV all the time. You get to see him, but um, he is he is a wonderful man, and uh, we we are blessed because we get to see him all the time and talk to him all the time. We get all the benefits of his glow and his joy. So. Anyway, hopefully some of that spills over into this podcast. So, yeah, check it out when it pops. Uh, I'm not sure when it comes out. Maybe later today.
1: Speaking of good dudes, I, I was at the Brewers game, like I said, with my family on Mother's Day and hanging out. And there was uh, the people in the row behind me were talking to each other. Uh, and they started talking about Tim Dillard behind me. And I was like, <laughs> oh, man. I'm like, this was it be, my parents? My parents <laughs> uh-uh, no, no. It was a couple dudes and their families or whatever. And they're going back and forth, and like, oh yeah, man, Tim Dillard, man, good dude, man, met him in Nashville. He was down there, and what's with the sounds, and just glowingly, just just talking so much, how great they are, how great you are, and how nice you were to him, and so forth. I was like, that's right, that's my guy, Tim Dillard. He's nice to everybody. He's a good dude. Tim, thanks so much for coming on. Follow Tim Dillard on Twitter at Dim Tillard. Always a uh, good stuff, and of course, brought to you by Fourth Base Restaurant. Tim, thanks so much, man.
0: Yeah, appreciate it, Sparky. Thank you.